Hello and welcome to the Respecting Your Elders podcast. We are recording here in Los Angeles, California, and today my guest is Brian O'Connell. Yeah, I'm like, but I'm I'm 26. I don't know what I'm doing here. Well, you're as old as you feel, right? <laughs> yeah, that is. I, I forgot too on the way down here. I was like, oh, like I don't tell anyone my what my birthday is. Yeah, not as like not as a weird like, I you know. Like it's not like a career or entertainment industry thing is. I just traditionally just don't like celebrating my birthday. Mm-hmm. Or people know. Uh, so for example, no one in Doctor God knows when my birthday is, and they've spent the last several years trying to guess. Why do you think you don't like celebrating it? I don't like. Um, we'll be bluntly honest, which I'm known for. Um, I spent a good third of my life from like ages of 13 to 24 trying to kill myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, birthdays were never like happy thing because it was like, oh, I made it to another one. Mm-hmm. You coward. You pussy. You haven't done wow. it yet. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's kind of like, so it's not that kind of thing. And I don't like celebrating it and making a big deal out of it because it wasn't something that I celebrated and made a big deal out of it. And then, I'll, and then of course, you know, because again, that's how the depression, the disease works. Um, if you don't celebrate it, then you don't have to worry about people not coming to your birthday party slash and or event and then you don't have to worry about uh, the next like following six weeks of three months of uh, do they like me do they not like me so I just all the way out but it's a fun game now like uh, the rest of the guys uh, my best friends try and like figure out when it is they try and like trick my girlfriend they're like your girlfriend knows oh yeah yeah and she's like oh <laughs> so they're like couldn't help but notice you guys are going to San Diego, but it's not, uh, BOC's not teaching. What's the occasion? <laughs> Do they ever um, rifle through your stuff to try to find your birth certificate? No, I mean, they're not maniacs. <laughs> I mean, if any of them really, if Neil Gargiulo cared enough, I'm sure, and he had the spare spare cash, I'm absolutely sure he would like do like a background check on me. Mm-hmm. You have to pay for those. So, wow. Yeah. So maybe... Oh, no, I've given him the idea. No, I'm screwed. Um, okay, so where uh, where are you from originally? I'm born and raised in a place called High Point, North Carolina, which is the furniture capital of the world. It's part of the Piedmont Triad. Uh, it's in the western foothills. So uh, the Piedmont Triad is because the, uh, it's an area that any one of those cities is not big enough on their own to be considered uh, its own sort of like metropolis. Uh, so that's the Piedmont Triad. You have the research. Uh, you have the Piedmont Triang. You have the Triangle, which is Raleigh, Chapel Hill, and Durham. Raleigh is the uh, capital of mm-hmm. North Carolina, mm-hmm. and then there's uh, High Point, Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, High Point, Greensboro, Winston Salem. So I was born in Greensboro Hospital. I, I grew up and was raised in High Point, and then I went to film school in Winston Salem. So I'm a I'm Piedmont Triad through and through. I'm literally wearing the High Point uh, Rockers. Uh, the independent baseball team that we just got uh recently they built a huge stadium they're like they're independent and it's a rocking chair on your hat it's a rocking chair that also has like fire coming out of it so it's a literally rocking chair rock it's like a rocking rocket uh, like a rocket chair they have many many great uh pieces of merch but this was the one where i was like oh man that's just too country i can't not get that Uh uh-huh and then I asked a couple people, they're like, yeah, are there any other ones that have a rocking chair that's a spaceship? I went, no. They're like, well, then you get that one. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so that's where, that's why I'm from originally. My entire family's from Chicago. Okay. Except for, and, and, and then my mom's side is from a little town called Ottawa, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it's uh, me, me and my 16-year-old nephew are the only two people that were born in North Carolina. Okay. Mm-hmm. What brought your parents to North Carolina? Uh, my dad finally decided it was too cold. He didn't want to shovel any more snow, and the neighborhood they were living in, which was a traditionally Polish and German neighborhood, uh, was starting to get a little dicey, and then there was a, I have an older sister who's six years older than me, mm-hmm. uh, and when she was like three or four, there was um, there was a shootout in the neighborhood, uh, and a, uh, a, young, uh, a young child caught, uh, caught a straight bullet in their, um, what you would call it, their, their stroller. Who was a similar age of my of my sister, and they were like, "Screw that! We're getting out of this neighborhood," but they couldn't afford to move into any of the other neighborhoods in Chicago. And my dad was a Marine and did his basic at Camp Lejeune, so he was like, "North Carolina's nice. Diane, come with me. Check it out. See what they're like." Uh, and then I think my grandparents too. My my aunt, <clears throat> not my aunt. My grandmother worked for a company in Chicago that also had. Um, a division in Winston-Salem so they could come down as well. The dollar went further 
you could, uh, we had that like about 15, 20 years ago, uh, where Charlotte started taking over New York City as the uh, banking capital of the Eastern Seaboard, because huh. it was easier for, we'd always had like Wachovia and First Union and a bunch of different banks, uh, sort of, uh, you know, Coastal Carolina Bank as well, uh, were a big deal in that area, but uh, Bank of America, if you have an employee and you can have them work out of Charlotte, and they can buy a four-bedroom house for his for their for their spouse and for their children for two hundred fifty grand versus trying to live with in, New same, in New York City, paying that kind of same amount more not a chance. Just move them all down there, and then with tax incentives and everything like that. That makes sense. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, my mother and stepfather are both from North Carolina. Hell yeah, whereabouts? And my grandparents. Um, I've been all over. I got friends yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, my grandmother lived in New Bern. Oh shit! Yeah. Yeah. I dated a girl named Juanita McCoy that was from New Bern in junior high. So okay. Eight, seventh and eighth grade. Yeah. And then when I would visit her the most, and my grandfather, they lived in a town called Small. Wow. Even I don't know that one. Yeah. It wasn't on most maps. No. Where is that? Is that Eastern or is it near New Bern? Oh, is it near New Bern? Over there okay. somewhere. Yeah, because mostly like. Uh, my one of my best friends, Bob Harson, he's from Williamston, which is right outside of Greenville. Uh, they played uh, they played eight man football. That's how small that area is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he went to a school that was kindergarten through twelfth grade, and his dad was the principal. <laughs> so yeah, his dad was the principal all the way through. My best friend on the That's planet. That's some pressure. Yeah, my best friend on the planet, uh, Brian Mandel, who I actually hung out with last night. He's from Hickory, which mm-hmm. is like in the mountains, and it's basically you have to drive like an hour and a half just to end up back in High Point. Mm-hmm. It's another furniture and textile based town. Luckily, my parents, uh, my girlfriend's parents, uh, moved to Asheville several years ago for so her dad got a job there. My parents, my parents retired to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, but my sisters in Charlotte, my cousins in Matthews, which is a little bit up that. I think my, my one of my other good friends, Derek Patton, I went all went to school with these guys as well. I think he's back down in Matthews as well, or some of those other areas around Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, technically, my sisters in Lake Norman, like where all the uh, where all the the NASCAR guys have their big ass houses right on the lake. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's like if you got on if you got on a, a speedboat or a pontoon boat down to Lake Norman, and you just you just cruise around, and you're like. Oh, there's a uh, there's a little E's house, Dale and Har- Dale yeah. Earnhardt Jr. That's where the Bush brother lives. Oh, that's where you know Carl Edwards lives, and I mean that's also the old joke of uh, you know the NASCAR is kind of in the blood. Like, how does a North Carolinian learn how to count one, two, Earnhardt? So uh, I, that is great. I did not know you had a contact. Uh, yeah, and my Carolina. mom was born in Washington, North Carolina. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My dad's boss for a long time when he was working for Lucent was uh, he was from Lizard Lick, so mm-hmm. they made the. Uh, when they made the reality show Lizard Lick Towing, you never know what's going to happen in the lick. I was like, oh, I hate reality television, but I will absolutely watch this and Moonshiners for no other thing, no other reason that it's like North Carolina nature porn. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, oh, there it is. Oh, there's the Blue Ridge Parkway. Oh, there's Tweetsie Railroad. Oh, there's there's Grandfather Mountain. There was like a, a children's museum that I remember mm-hmm. where you could... They had a bunch of like rocks and gravel where you could look for shark teeth. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, that sounds like that's something like, if that's on the eastern side of it, that's probably closer around to. Uh, oh, what's it called? I, I, all I can think now is oh, the, the Outer Banks, like OBX, uh, which is uh, it, different. It's different. Like OBX is always like this weird thing. Like you can go on like a bicycle tour up because they used to have all these crazy ass. In the like nineteen forties and nineteen fifties, when people still got had first gotten like cars with like car culture, yeah, uh, we like take a road trip and see. Fun. So there'll there'll be like a giant like stone octopus with like cartoon eyes, like eh, like you can just stop and get all the different things. Uh huh. Yeah, and so the Outer Banks is out there. I just I just got bummed for a second because I remember that there's a television show called The Outer Banks that is produced and written and show run by a guy who's from that area, but because of North Carolina and our dipshit old governor who got rid of all the tax incentives and all that um he has to shoot it in south carolina and i'm like that is how dare oh no and like and even he's bummed about it he's like i literally am shooting he's like i wouldn't be shooting this in charleston if i could shoot it in the actual outer banks i literally can't my own state 
priced me out as I'm here making this television show that is a love letter to where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and also the new animated Fox uh, show, uh, 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 Bless the Hearts. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the name of that fictional town is uh, Greenpoint because uh, the woman who wrote it, who's, she's on SNL, got a, I'm, I'm blanking on her name, uh, but she's from High Point. Okay. Yeah, so that's all the references in there. I'm like, I know what that is. I know what that mm-hmm. is. And then, yeah, she was also a writer on... She was, uh, she, she was also a writer on BoJack Horseman, so that's why Princess Caroline's family is from uh, uh, the larger Elon area, or like I think something like the Greensboro, Winston-Salem, larger Elon area. Mm-hmm. That's where her family is. I was like, I got the reference. You can always tell like who's from High Point in professional settings because they'll show up in weird places in mm-hmm. popular culture. Like they did it. I'm, I'm confident that they just did it as a, like a hat tip to me. Uh, but there's that episode of, uh, there's a sketch on Key and Peele where he's like, have you ever found yourself in a dark alley in High Point, North Carolina? Well, come to me. It's like, he's the karate guy, but it's just so he can like lay over a guy. Mm-hmm. He's literally looking at the camera. I'm like, oh, thanks, Keegan. Mm-hmm. That's for me. Mm-hmm. Has to be. Because here I am babbling. I'll, I'll babble about North Carolina for... Babble away. For this entire interview. I forgot about, well, I didn't forget about, but I don't think that often about the Outer Banks. I've been to Duck mm-hmm. and... Oh, the, yeah. The sand dunes at Kitty Hawk. Oh, yeah. First in flight. Screw, mm-hmm. you, screw you, Ohio. Uh, yeah, Duck. Oh, man, I forgot about Duck. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I try and go back as often as I can. My, uh-huh. With my parents not being there, I only really get to go see Charlotte and Asheville. Mm-hmm. But there's a new... Uh, not new, but new-ish mm-hmm. uh, improv uh, theater in Greensboro, and they have a, they have the North Carolina Comedy Festival now. I used to go all the time to Chapel Hill for the North Carolina Comedy Arts Festival, but that is no longer. That is kaput. My stepdad went to UNC. <clears throat> oh, nice. I've been to Chapel Hill a handful of times. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of improvisers from there. Megan Grano yeah. started Chips, which was the Chapel Hill Improv Players. Ben Green. Ben Green, yeah, who I met Ben randomly because he was my lift driver once, and then I was like, quickly, I was like, what? It was like, what? I was like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm looking for writing jobs. I'm like, damn it, become my Facebook friend. Where are you at? Used to be? Oh, I know that guy. Uh, yeah, Ben Green, Jim Woods, Eric Honeycutt. I like Ben's that. wife, whose name is? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I'm, she wasn't in the lift. <laughs> uh, I think he had just got. I'm friends with her. Uh, She's so nice. Yeah, I would, I they would, both are so nice. I would I would gather as much. It was because he was so such a nice human being. When I met him, I was like, oh, that tracks. Mm-hmm. I love it. And of course, you know, you see that it comes up on the algorithms on Facebook. You're like, oh, how pretty, how adorable. Yeah. How nice. That looks great. Okay, uh, so and then Ali Farnakian from the family. He was he went to the University of Chapel Hill. So when uh, DSI uh, that theater uh, went kaput. Uh, he he moved in and bought the space, so that's the pit, Chapel Hill, the People's Improv Theater that's in New York. Mm-hmm. The pit is in Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go there, but I did get meet uh, some of their house team players. I was I was in Raleigh. Uh, there's a seven. pit. Sorry, there's a pit in Chapel Hill. Yeah, and New York. Yeah, it started mm-hmm. started in New York. I've been to the one in New York. Yeah, but now there's one that's been in Chapel Hill for like about a year, maybe a little bit more. That's cool. Yeah, I was just in Raleigh at Comedy Works, second weekend of January. Michael Miller and Jenny Elliott and all those guys uh, uh, brought me in. Great community. I, I did a lot of t- teaching. I did some shows. It was super fun. I didn't get Bojangles, which I was furious. Mm-hmm. That's usually Biscuits. my first thing. Well, I didn't know that like the Raleigh Durham Airport doesn't have. They have churches, like like or like they. No, they don't have churches. I could have lived in a church, but they have Popeyes. I was like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. And so because Raleigh is so spread out, and so that like. I just and I was working so much and then going shows and it was always back and forth, back and forth. Uh, okay, we have a, we have enough time to get home and take an hour nap and we have to come back again. I was like, I'll just get into the airport. And yeah, it was in the airport. And I was like, no. Those angles. That's usually my it's, first thing. It's really good. It's the best. It's the best in the world. It's my favorite thing in the world. Did you hear about how the Atlanta Falcons Stadium got Chick Fil A as their main provider? Yeah. Ding dongs. Didn't uh, they did a. No real, Sunday service. No, they did a real bang-up job of uh, studying that. For those of you that don't know, uh, yeah, Chick-fil-A is a very very religious, family-owned company, and they do not, uh, they're not open on Sundays. Which is when most all NFL games take place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also had, I stopped going there several years ago because of their uh, 
virulently anti-LGBTQIA uh, and donate money. And then to cop it off, they were like, you're right, we're going to stop doing that. And then they just disappeared for a little while and then just secretly started doing it again. I was like, oh, so the very Christian act of lying. Mm. So I, I don't think I've had, I don't think I've had Chick-fil-A in like five years. Mm-hmm. Maybe longer. Mm-hmm. Not until, uh, I don't know, maybe until they sell it or that family dies. Or Bojangle moves out here and then I'll be 500 pounds because I'll have it every day. Yeah, but you'll be happy. Oh God, I'll be so happy. Number one biscuit with seasoned fries, honey mustard, and cheer wine. That's my, uh, if, they, if they're out cheer wine, I'll do the sweet tea. Usually mm-hmm. I'll get a gallon, a half gallon of the sweet tea to mm-hmm. go mm-hmm. and I'll ration that out over the course of time that I'm there. I went to a <clears throat> Hornets game when I was a teenager, I was on like a baseball trip. For sure. And I think it was Alonzo Morning, oh. Muggsy Bogues. Oh, so yeah. Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson, Bobby Phils, all and those I think guys. Iverson, yeah. I think the Sixers were in town. Oh, you got to see. Oh, that's fantastic, man. Uh, yeah, I haven't gotten to a chance to see uh, a Hornets game, which I'm very upset about. I did get to see a Greensboro Bats game, which was like the Yankee affiliate when they were there. Triple A or. Yeah, I saw them play, uh, which is great. I, I believe my dad said this, but I don't can't remember it. But I believe like, we saw like Jeter play. Uh huh. Very good because I remember the quote of my for dad. For the Nets. Yeah, from my dad saying like, uh, he was like, "Oh, that guy's not gonna be here for long." Like you could just tell like he was head and above shoulders talent wise, and he was just having his cup of coffee in the one A so they can move him through the minor league system mm. as quickly and as quietly as possible because they're like, "Oh no, you are ready for the major leagues right now." Uh, that's why I, I used to call, oh, what's his name? I'm blanking on names today. I'm terrible. He's one half of Ranger Danger and the Danger Ranger. That duo. It's Jose, uh, Luis, Luis Cortez, and then, oh, come to me. I don't know, my, the reason why I can't remember his name is because my nickname for him is Jeter. Mm-hmm. The first time I was, I had him in class, I was like, oh, like Jeter in the minor leagues. I mean, you're, you're not going to be here long. You're too good. Drew Coolidge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was my nickname for Drew was, was Jeter. Cool. What's going on, Jeter? Right on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're in North Carolina. Yeah. And what was it like your childhood up till you were 13, I guess? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's great. Like, uh, I grew up uh, over, over in the Motley Street area, which was in the Grace area. I grew up in a black neighborhood uh, for, the, for the beginning of my life. Uh, for, for like the first 10 years. Uh, it was me, uh, my family, the family next door was uh, like one of the only two white families and then there was another white family like in a cul-de-sac and that was it. Uh, I went to a, a school that was split right down the middle, 50-50. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to private school to begin with because the, uh, the Montlou uh, school wasn't very, very good at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was is disabled. Uh, he was in a car accident in 78, so mm-hmm. he's disabled walks on straight arm crutches, and so he, my mom is a radiological technologist, and she worked in the emergency rooms, uh, emergency room at the hospital, High Point Regional, at night for six years, because it was extra money, so she could put my dad through school. My dad went to North Carolina A&T, go Aggies, which is a historically black college, uh, HBCU. Uh, my dad went on a minority scholarship, uh, as well as a combination of uh, the GI Bill, uh, and graduated mm-hmm. at the top of his class there, and then went to UNCG, uh, UNC Greensboro. He's got his master's in business, and then he was hired uh, by AT and T. And this was during uh, this was the uh, mid '80s when they were uh, they were freezing up Ma Bell and breaking it up because it was a monopoly conglomerate. And then, of course, you know, flash forward to 20 years later, and George W. Bush undid the whole thing. And so that's why, like, like today, I think uh, either today or yesterday. <clears throat> where they, uh, the judge signed off on the... Uh, he rejected the appeals, and T-Mobile and, uh, and uh, Sprint are going to merge. And they are? Bajillion, bajillion dollar, grossly, like, monopoly on the, on the surf of it, surface of it kind of deal. But uh, they were doing a hiring freeze. My, my father was, uh, went to a job fair on the campus of UNCG, and since he was white and in his 30s and on crutches, the guy was like, What's your story? What's your deal? And sort of told them the whole thing. Uh, and they took my dad for job interview. And my dad was the only person that AT&T hired in all of 1985. So on uh, October 30th, 1985, because he got that job, we were able to move out 
and move into uh, a, a better neighborhood that had a better public school nearby. And at that point, the uh, Macklin Heart of Mary, which is where me and my sister, the Catholic private school that me and my sister were going to, at that point, they'd already they'd also pulled the nuns uh, out of there. It was just going to be lay teachers. And my parents were like, well, if we're going to pay all this extra money, it's just going to be regular teachers and Shady Brooks right there. And you can literally ride your bike to it because it's in our backyard. Mm-hmm. You should go do that. And then, yeah, that was about uh, that. Uh, it just, um, I don't know, uh, until 13. Like, usually, it, it actually probably started at 11, uh, 10 or 11. I, I did pu- uh, puberty early, and it was real, real bad one and rough ones. Uh, also, I'm, I'm convinced, I don't think, uh, I mean, I haven't talked really a ton about it with my mom because, you know, I don't want to open up old wounds for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, like, there's better things that we can talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her, her mother uh, suffered from manic depression, like, very bad. Uh, and the kind of thing of, like, she wouldn't get out of bed for three days. And then, like, my mom had horrible aunts that would tell her that it was because her and her sister Gail were bad children, and that's why your mother's not getting out of bed and all that. And so it's one of those things where I feel like it might have skipped a little bit of a generation and, uh, and got that, but uh, of course I don't want my mom to feel bad about that either. I'm, obviously, I'm fine. I'm, mm. I'm, I made it through all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like emotionally, I was like sort of out of step and out of sync. So like uh, with with my peers, like I was ten years. So I would I would react with a breakup of a girlfriend when I was thirteen in middle school, as if I was a twenty two or twenty three or twenty four year old. Someone like who thought they were going to spend the rest of their life with that person, mm. which is an insane thing for a 13-year-old. And then, yeah, so I would run away from home and all that kind of stuff, and then I just ended up figuring out how to uh, do a mask. Because my parents did at one point, I think, oh, I think I might have been 11, they did take me to therapy, and I hated the process, and I hated the, the uh, just the sense of it. And also, this is back then where it's like, Oh, if you went to therapy, it's because you're a crazy person. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't have the enlightened ideal of that we have it now. Mm-hmm. So it was basically the kind of thing of like I made a deal with my parents that I would shape up if I never had to go back to therapy again. Mm-hmm. And it did. Like I mean, so I did schoolwork and all that, and I learned how to sort of have that mask. But I was just I was miserable inside mm-hmm. and, and hated myself. Mm-hmm. And then that's why I went to uh, the arts. And then eventually, I moved out here in 2000. I was 24, and uh, my fiance who was horrible person uh but i had been best friends with since the eighth grade and just this this town like spit her up and chewed her out uh and so i have some empathy for that but yeah she left me on halloween of 2000 and i was like close to your birthday yeah very close good good try um and then uh yeah just sitting there two hours before i had to be at work at hollywood billiards uh uh, crying and holding my cat on my bed and i was like all right well if you're not killing yourself today just it's this is about as rock bottom as you can imagine. Nope, you're gonna go to work. Yeah, because Irish Catholics go to work, and you made a promise that you were gonna cover your shift tonight, and mm-hmm. you made a promise that you were gonna cover Paul Paul's shift tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then Sunday is morning is football, and that's a lot of money, and you've got that you begged for that Monday night shift so you could work Monday night football, mm-hmm. probably do that, and then just and then I didn't want to kill myself anymore, and that's uh, that's that. That's awesome. Yeah. Were you in a costume when you got broken up with? No. Or was she? Uh, no, she was an exotic dancer. <laughs> so, so she might have been in a costume. She might have been. But um, not because of Halloween. Well, she was definitely in the costume of my fiancé because that's not who uh, she was. That's that's a conversation for a different time. I've, yeah. told, I've told that story many times. It's easy to find on online. Yeah, no no worries. Yeah, I've, I've told that story in, on many an improv stage, Armando's and whatnot. Yeah, I think Krakowski told me once that I could be Armando for life uh-huh. in, my le- in our level six. Oh, that's awesome. Where we were learning Armando, which was great because I thought Craig hated me because I was so frustrated that I couldn't. I knew that he was right, but I also knew that I couldn't do the notes that he was giving me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, this guy hates me. Like everything, like every time we go, uh, I don't know what that was, O'Connell, but mm-hmm. all right. And then we did the Armando and I did. I offered to do the monologue. Mm-hmm. I think I might have told that story. And then afterwards he was like, O'Connell, you could, you could be Armando for life. Yay! Khaki likes me. That's pretty I cool. I can do something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the first time I ever saw you or talked to you was you were doing cage match with Miles. 
Oh, UCB cage match? Yeah. Yeah, that's why, uh, again, another example of Heather Ann Campbell being, uh, that's my sister, I love her, uh, but her doing everything that I do, but just better. Because <laughs> Heather and Miles went on a massive long run, mm-hmm. and me and Miles, uh, although we did beat Death by Ruru, which mm-hmm. I appreciate, because I, I went to school <clears throat> I went to school with Brett Gilman and John Daly, so I was like, oh, that's nice. Uh, but, um... They're like the first thing I ever saw yeah. at UCB in New York as Cracked Out. Oh, yeah! With Reggie Watts doing the beat. Oh, I didn't see that. I saw them when they were out, before they lived here, when they were just out visiting. They brought that out here. Yeah. They were the second half of... This wasn't even at UCB. Uh, they did it at UCB New York. Yeah. They did this here at what, uh... I think they did it at the improv, the side room that they had, the improv lab. Uh-huh. Uh, the first part of it was uh, Gethard doing a version of his show, his yeah. talk show, mm-hmm. with the live band that had Chuck Norris <laughs> as the lead singer. Uh-huh. And the second half is because I knew Daly and, and Gelman from, from college. Uh, oh, I you did? Like, yeah, we all went to uh, the North Carolina School of the Arts. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, so, and then they did Cracked Out, and I bought that first right, you know, when I'm high on crack, I'll fuck your grandma when I'm high on crack. I'll fuck your grandpa. Uh, when I teach, I still use their uh, their version of the number song from when uh, Human Giant took over yeah. MTV. For the number song. Hours. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these motherfuckers feel like Cracked Out can't count. Yo, DJ, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Uh, next level funny. Yeah. Next level funny, those yeah. guys. Yeah. And uh, they had Horatio Sands as a guest. Yeah, that as, is right. Um. Benny Bin Laden. Benny Bin Laden. Osama's son. Yeah. Uh, Osama's son. That's so funny. Yeah, so yeah, UCB cage match. Well, then you, if that's what you saw me and Miles perform, then you probably only saw one of five shows because we only. I think I saw all five. I I think I saw maybe all of your. Well, yeah, because if you're going the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I forget who who beat us. Mm. They're dead to me. They're dead to me. I don't remember either. Uh, that's all right. I was just in Denver and uh, the barman uh, doing a gig out there, and the bar manager, who's now a very good friend of mine, Chris Turgis, was in the group that beat Heather and Miles. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, I don't know if he's still mad at me." And so when I came back and I was hanging out with Miles uh, on his porch, and I was like, "Oh, by the way, I know Chris." And he's like, "Oh," I was like, "We should send him a picture." I'm like, "Hey," and Miles was like, "Was it bitch. Cook County?" Social Club? No, Cook County. Or Murder Cliff? It's Murder Cliff. Okay. Yeah, that took that took them down. Okay. He was like, "Yeah, I don't. I think Miles might be still a little mad at us." I was like, "I'll check when I get home." <laughs> By the way, we're talking about improv comedy. Improv comedy, yes. Don't know what we're nerding out a little bit, and yeah. that's just the surface of nerding the out. Very surface of it, because uh, yeah, we you could you deeply I, nerd out. You bought you and I both went deeply nerd. Were you on? Were you on the message boards? Were you on were you on improvresourcecenter.com, an IRC guy, or were you a yesand.com guy? I missed those. I'm glad I'm so mad that those message boards aren't around. Anymore. I think I I I looked at them. Yeah, the IRC was uh, Mulaney's thing and that was more of a UCB New York specific uh, or centric mm-hmm. but most uh, but after a while it, like it, it most everybody was on it. They had different like Los Angeles sections on that. Uh-huh. And then yesand.com was run by uh, Asaf Ronan out of... Uh, he's out of Austin now. I don't know. I think he was in Chicago at the time when he was talking about But yesand felt a little bit more... Um, a little bit more Chicago-based, but more of like the outliers. Like There was a lot of Austin folks. Um, and then... Kevin Patrick Robbins out of Toronto, so there's a lot of Toronto Canadian people on folks on there as well, and that mm-hmm. was the real like lifeblood of nerding out of like, hey, I couldn't help but know is it who's doing a level six grad show that has an interesting form that you created in class? I do. It's called such and such. Oh, can you tell me more of it? So that's why, that's why I know like a hundred different wackadoo forms that no one, everyone's like, what? Um, like Big Yellow Taxi. That I I I started that. In class, that came out of my my Miles Stroth workshop class, and that's a form that I that I basically Frankenstein back together after talking to people on the Chicago boards on IRC. Like I ran to Bill Cott once. He was like, "Big Yellow Taxi." What is that? I was like, "Yeah, this." He was like, "Oh yeah, I think I remember them doing that at I O like back in like ninety 
three or something mm-hmm. dumb mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so we we can nerd out. So now there's I mean there's the improv network now, and hopefully it'll build up. But like both those message boards are kind of they're still available. You can still go through and read it, but like they're not they're not upkeeping. Melanie's turned it into more of a like a podcast and sort of a business, and he travels all over like. I think the I think most recently he was just in like Croatia or something crazy like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. He's trying to knock off all the bucket lists and he's trying to be Jill Bernard and teach in like eighty five countries. That's that would be so amazing. I think Jill, either Jill or Joe Bill has the record for like Jill has Jill has taught in every all fifty states, which I believe Joe has as well. Rizowski probably has as well, and then they're all trying to like see who can teach. In the most countries around the world, I know Sukal just was in Copenhagen and just came back. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and then I talked to Joe Bill on Facebook Messenger like two days ago. He was like, "Greetings from Croatia, my friend," and I was like, "Oh, that's where you are." Yeah, must <laughs> yeah. be nice. Yeah, so I'm I'm trying to do more of that. Well, as yeah, well now. yeah, I'm trying to go around, run and teach, take a, take advantage of the people I've been lucky enough to run into and hang mm-hmm. out with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in Berlin. Oh, sweet. With my friend Andrew Bloomhagen from New York City, mm-hmm. who did a lot of improv at the Magnet. And yeah. he had um, hooked up with Chris Rock. Yeah, Chris Rock of the there. Hive. Yeah. I don't think he runs the Hive anymore, but yeah, Chris Rock is an old MSW guy. Okay, yeah. I, I met him when we were doing One Love Improv at the Complex. Yeah. He was doing Monday Night Improv. Yeah. Uh, right before us. Yeah, you talk about a guy that has drank the Kool Aid completely of improv Mm -hmm. Chris Rock like well now he's serving it in Germany oh yeah I think I mean I think he just sent me like an email maybe like three months three or four months ago he's like I have this question he's like just throwing it out I'm like yeah Mm -hmm. let's let's nerd out man not that Chris Rock different Chris Rock Uh, but yeah he uh, he has a great love and and a great mind for it he has a very analytical mind like he's a game developer and that's why he moved to Berlin originally because they're like a crazy big game, video game company was like, we'll pay you all this money, but would you be willing to move to Berlin? He was mm-hmm. like, I got, he's like, I gotta say yes to this, right? I was like, yeah, fucking go live in Berlin. Andrew and I got rejected from three dance clubs. Poor guy. Before we got into the fourth one. <laughs> Why were you? He took me, okay, first we went to, okay, first of all, in Berlin, I don't know if you know, but they no, in, yeah. they take their dancing seriously there. They take their clubbing seriously. Which is crazy because they can't dance. As the site of the the well, funniest, I call it the funniest thing I've ever said. I was in a dance club, a big warehouse that had been converted into like nine different yep. dance yep. areas. Uh, and it was either Berlin or Munich. And I was with my buddy, uh, it was a guy I was on the gig with, Chris. Half black, half white DJ and and rap producer from Alabama, and it was all guys over the age of forty in like khakis or jeans with their t shirts and or polos tacked in, dancing like this, and then like seventeen or eighteen year old girls who were doing all rave stuff with like pacifiers and oh. glow sticks and little things like that, and then we were just sitting there watching it, drinking our beers, and I just turned to him and I was like. It is. It's the funniest thing I've ever said. Because I went, well, with 76% of the precincts reporting, it's official. Germans can't dance. And he lost his shit for like 25 minutes. I was like, this is it. This is the funniest thing I've ever said. That's hilarious. That's true. What was your experience? Why did they not let you into these three different clubs? Well, okay, so first of all, to tell you how serious they are about clubbing in Germany, in Berlin, we went, we left... His they apartment because they should not. They should 4 a.m. We left at 4 a.m. on Sunday. That that I believe. To go dancing. That I believe. First place we went was like I guess it was like a hip hop place, but they closed at five, which my okay. friend was surprised about. I mean Andrew. Yeah. And then so, he took, so was I. And then he took us to, what he said was like one of the most popular clubs that there was. It was mm-hmm. a gay club, and he basically told me like. Don't look the bouncers in the eye. Don't say anything. Just mm-hmm. play it cool. Yeah. It was so strange. So we're just standing there, and the bouncer would basically look at you and then either motion for you to go in or motion for you to leave. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and it got to is us. Is that German or is that gay? Because that feels very gay. I'm just I... like, that feels like very Studio 54 of like, nah, like that. 
Like the old Dana Carvey sketch on SNL. Where did the bar? Where did the bar? Uh-huh. You're not getting a table here. You are not fabulous. Well, I don't know, but we were signaled to not go in. And I'm like, what happened? He's like, I think I saw him look at my shoes. I think my shoes were too dirty. Or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, so then, that's not a German thing. That's a gay thing. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So then we went to a third place, mm-hmm. and the female bouncer said, um, like, what do you guys doing here yeah basically what's what's never your, a good what's ne- your story never a good sign when you walk up to the front door and they go what are you doing here <laughs> i guess defend your life i guess it was like the anniversary night of that dance club oh. so she wanted to hear that we knew what was going on what Copy. that we weren't just randos yeah which we were randos that was usually uh back at iowa americans to boot yeah uh when i was running iowa west and my boy francisco uh who i love to death Francisco Gutierrez, uh, he would like, he and I would just have a signal, and then he just started, like, then I just trusted his uh, instinct after that. If it was a guy that was like, you're not here to see comedy, you're here to get drunk, you're here to get fucked up, you're here to get a fight, I'm a former gang member, I know what gang you're in just by fucking looking at you, because I see the telltale signs, and he would just go, private event. That was his two-coat, he was just, private event. Wow. And then sometimes he would look, he'd be like, hey boss. Uh, like if a guy didn't have his ID or something like that, or like did, did I know him, or he just like wait a minute, uh, hold on a second, over there, boss, and I'd be like yes, Frank. <laughs> I was like, private event, and then and none of them would ever know because nobody knew what the hell iOS was. Yeah, walking down Hollywood Boulevard. Right. It was the easiest, most wonderful thing. So I love her being like, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're here to see Kevin because it's the fifteenth anniversary of this. Like, and then since none of that was coming out of your mouth, exactly. Bye. So the fourth place, he Googled what was happening. I really want to see this specific DJ. Very smart. We got it. Very smart. Yeah. Right. But uh, it wasn't... Worth it? Yes. Awesome. I don't feel the need to do it again. Yeah. Um, it was a cool experience. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't old guys in khakis, but it was everyone just facing the stage. Yeah. Um, it's still very efficient. Bobbing their heads, not mm. a lot of dancing, dancing. When when were you there? I was there in two thousand, so things like have... in the last year, I think. Okay, well then definitely, yeah, because it is like anything else. It is uh, you either have something that's very forward movement, or it's something that we've already been doing in the UK and New York uh, club scenes, and we're just kind of five. They're kind of like five years behind. So when I was two thousand, I was like. 2000, we're still doing the rave thing? We're still doing like mm. pacifiers mm-hmm. and glow sticks and all that? Uh, about tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, have, uh, I have friends in San Francisco that says San Francisco and Los Angeles are the same for comedy. Like there's a lot of clowning stuff going on right now. Yeah. And my friend Sean Gary, who is uh, just a sweetheart of a human being, one of the best people in the world, big lovable gay bear. And he's just, uh, he was just like, it's so fun and cute and adorable to watch you guys in Los Angeles, like, get really big into clown. And mm-hmm. 10 years after, it was, like, a deal here. And I was like, oh, that's not wrong. Is he, You're not wrong. where is he from? He's in San Francisco. Okay, so he's saying they were doing that five, 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, watching you guys all be like, yeah, we've been doing that for a while, right? Uh, and he's not wrong. Because mm-hmm. every time I've gone mm-hmm. to see San Francisco, I'm like, oh, this is a much more cultured city than we are. Mm-hmm. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a couple of times I've, I've gone to San Francisco so many times, and to Oakland, uh, and I've always been lucky enough to have him, but uh, the best times are always whenever I went with uh, Dave Holmes, because mm-hmm. Dave Holmes is a divining rod for fun, mm-hmm. but you put uh, gay icon Dave Holmes into San Francisco, like he's he always knows a guy or a thing over here and that, and we end up having like the most fun ever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I need to go back to San Francisco with Dave is what I need to do. Do it. Yeah. So, okay, so <laughs> you, got a real you started doing improv in North Carolina or mm-hmm. here? <clears throat> here in Los Angeles. Uh, I discovered improv on January 19th of 2003. I went and saw my first show at I.O. West. It was called, I mean, like, I knew whose line it was anyway from, <clears throat> from television. Yeah, but I didn't know what long form is. A girl I dated, Rebecca Brown, uh, now Rebecca Zonecki, uh who I dated in college and stayed friendly with was like, do you want to come see my improv show? And I said, when is it? She said, it's 11 o'clock on a Sunday night. I was like, great. I don't have, I don't have HBO. I'm not going to be watching the Sopranos or six feet under. Mm-hmm. I'll come see it. 
that was Tiger Pants. They just happened to have the greatest show they had ever done in their life. I still remember so much of it. They built a kite that you could fit a kid in. Peter Carboni walked behind uh, Rebecca and uh, Brett Pearson says, Kevin, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, at one point, Brett was uh, was a guy that had to juggle, and if he dropped a ball, he had, like his kids would die, and so he was on his back and he was like doing it with his feet as well. They all had like great space work. Uh, uh, Rebecca somehow played an old Asian lady that didn't come across as racist, which mm -hmm. I was like, well, no. in two thousand three, no less. Yeah, and I was just like, I've got how how. I, you know, uh, Hallie, uh, Hallie Cohn is super funny. I think uh, Britton Spellings, uh, the, the original bar manager uh, of I.O. before me, of I.O.S. before me, I was just like, and then at the end of the house, I was like, blown away. And the house manager at the end was like, thank you so much for coming out. If you like what you see here, we do have classes. I fucking beelined. I nearly ate shit on the stairs running down to the box office. And since it was the last show of the night, that poor box office intern was just like, Trying to count their money and get out of there. I was like, do you have her class? Start when? Me. Yeah. And they were like, oh, you just uh, <laughs> you just missed sign up for classes uh, by two weeks. We're two weeks in the session. Mm -hmm. But they, they take sign-ups for level one at all times. Uh, the office opens at noon tomorrow on Monday. And at 12.01, I had the phone in my hand, credit card. And like, take this down. I'm saying And then my first class was March 1st of 2003. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very that week in January is a very good week for me. The fifteenth is uh, my parents' wedding anniversary is the seventeenth. I saw improv for the first time on the nineteenth. Your birthday? <clears throat> no, but good try. Uh, my sister, uh, my sister was on the Hudson flight, the Miracle on the Hudson. That's January fifteenth. Yeah, so it's is it with Sully. Yeah, with Sully Sullenberger. Yeah, she was on the cover of the USA Today. It's the uh, picture of the Frogman and the uh, plane in the water. And then the yellow life raft with the three blonde white women. That's my sister on the right. Uh, wow. Lisa English standard. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I still have that USA Today. That's above the fold. In mm -hmm. the top left corner, it's um, Obama's first 100 days in office. And do the Arizona uh, Cardinals have what it takes to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the, in the you know, <clears throat> in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Uh, so that's a very great week for me. And then I got just... I hear a lot of people like, oh, I tried this improv theater, it wasn't for me, or I went away for a while, and then I came back, and then I found a place, like, I got very lucky that I found my place and my people almost immediately. My, I had a murderer's row of teachers. My, my teachers were Paul Valencourt, Scott Robinson, Bob Dassey, Craig Kukowski, and Miles Stroth. Like, just, and, and Sarah G, just 27 Yankees, left, right, batting, all day, mm -hmm. just crushing home runs. Mm -hmm. uh, so I got very lucky with that. And then after I did a little bit of a modicum of research and realized that it started in Chicago, uh, I got very angry at my family for because I didn't discover it until mm -hmm. I was uh, 27. I was mm -hmm. just like, oh, way to go. Thanks. Mm -hmm. All those family reunions, all those summer vacations, none of you were like, hey, Cousin Brian really likes comedy. We should take him to a Second City show. Like, I could have... My, my aunt, Kathy who is my godmother and who loves me, you mean I could have gone and stayed with her for six weeks during the summer? My parents would have loved to got me out of the fucking house for sure. Uh, I could have been there for six weeks taking the summer intensive as a high school. I could have met Susan Messing and Miles and all those people. Earlier on, I could have taken a class from Dell before he died. You assholes. Mm -hmm. That would have been that would have been great if mm -hmm. I could have done that. Don't Don't hold these things back for me. We thought you were more of a music. You were like you were a musician. You were in bands and stuff. We thought you were more of a music guy. I'm like I also was very funny, and I like funny stuff. So yes, uh, anytime I meet someone like like Allison Reese Shapiro, uh, who's in Chicago uh, and performs at Second City. She's on Matt Damon Improv and she performs at Second City and I own a bunch of other places and teaches now. I met her when she was 18. I was just like, oh, you're already when you're my age. When you're the age I was when I discovered you, I've already been doing it for 10 years. Mm. I hate you. Mm -hmm. That's why Heather's always going to be ahead of me. Heather was doing started when she was 15. She was on a Herald team where she would have to like lie to her Herald team members. They'd be like, hey, we're all going after beer. She's like, nah, sir, I got to get up early for work. Nope. She had to go home and do homework and go to high school the next day. Because, wow. yeah, like she was worried for, she talks about that, where she was like, I was worried for years that... <laughs> I'd be found out and that they would take this amazing thing away from me. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, and once Miles figured out, 
I was like, oh, I started, you know, I think I started teaching her when she was 17. I started serving her at the bar when she was 19. Like, you're, you're a fucking adult. You're an adult. L- listen to Heather talk for like five minutes. You're like, oh, no, you have, you have an intellect that is w- way beyond. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just don't be an asshole about it and have a good fake ID. Mm-hmm. All right, come in here. Um, I met Miles, I think, the same time I met you during mm-hmm. that cage match run. Um, yeah. But, so, it's, I feel like, I mean, maybe I'm stating the obvious, improv hits some people like a total addiction, obsession. Oh, yeah. It was that way for me. Yeah, same. I took, I, I was hooked. I discovered UCB mm-hmm. in New York yeah. with Cracked Out and then an yeah. improv show. And oh then, wow! You saw Cracked Out first. Yeah, that was your first introduction. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, my friend Christy Webb uh, took me to see that. Oh yeah, I know. And um, she lives in Miami now, but uh, oh, I took one hundred one, two hundred one with Ari Vukitis in New York. Nice. Three hundred one with Gavin Spieler, and then yeah. moved here and was like three hundred one, four hundred one, just like class, class. And I was like, I actually my first team, I just walked up and down the sidewalk at UCB Franklin. Yeah. The people in line saying, anybody want to be on an improv team? And so my first improv team was just people from line. Oh, it worked? Yeah. I would have thought for sure that they they, they would have thought that you were just doing a bit. I, I wasn't. <laughs> anybody want to be on an improv team? I had just moved out here bright-eyed. And then someone was just like, Yes, and this shit. Yeah, I'll do it, man. And I would go up, like I went up to Lennon Parham on the street and was like, "I have a new improv team. Would you coach? Would you be willing to coach us?" And she oh, was right. like, "I don't really do that anymore, but sure, I'll do it once." Yeah. And then I went up to Jason Manzukis and was mm-hmm. like, "Will you be in the sketch I wrote?" And he's like, "I'm kind of." He was really nice. He yeah, was yeah. like, "I'm working on a lot of my." It was like right before like. Dictator like, yeah, and the league and yeah. Snickers everything. Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Like, I got a lot of yeah. Stuff. He's like, I'm working on my own stuff right now, but that's a really <clears> funny <throat> idea. Yeah, I love that. And I actually met uh, Jordan Peele. Yeah, love Jordan. In New York, mm-hmm. I was standing outside of a bar smoking a cigarette, and some drunk guy was like, "Hey," I asked him for a light, I think, and he was like, uh, "I told him I did improv in L.A." And uh, he's like, oh, you got to meet my friend Jordan in the bar. He does comedy. He's about to have a show on Comedy Central. And I <laughs> yeah. was like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. And Jordan was not drunk and neither was I. But yeah. the friend was. So it was like, you guys meet each other. It was like, hello. Hello. Hi. Nice to meet you. We're going to do that. Yeah. And that was Keegan-Michael King. Yeah. No. Uh, and, and, but, uh, yeah. no, uh, but... Then Key and Peele came out, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I knew Jordan from I.O. for a long time, and, like, you know, he and Neil had worked on a bunch of stuff, and so we started hanging out, uh, or, or being around each other. I shouldn't say, like, hang out. It's not like me and Jordan never sat down and had lunch or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> but, yeah, like, whenever I see him, like, oh, hey, man, what's going on? Good to see you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I remember going to see their that great uh, improvised movie team that he was in called Martini Shot with, like, him and John Ross Bowie and uh, gosh, Wyatt Cenac, just like a mm-hmm. murderer's row. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colton Dunn was on that as well. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's yeah. what I said to Jordan. I was like, "Oh, I'm taking, I've been doing workshops with Colton Dunn, mm-hmm. and uh, um, so oh, so uh, that's where I met Victor Lopez and yeah. David Danipour. Yeah, that was like my first like crew, the three of us. Yeah, and that's when I. S- first discovered io west Mm -hmm. the stage upstairs ah the loft the loft that's uh and miles is just best room in the city miles would just be out front smoking Mm -hmm. and two times out of three victor would be like hey miles you want to perform with us and he would yeah like all right yeah yeah, i got another yeah i'll work it out i like you fine so that was pretty cool yeah yeah i got him in level five and then like i didn't know who he was either i could tell he was someone Dude, one of my favorite memories of like all time. Like someone? Yeah, one of my favorite memories of all time is standing outside of uh, UCB, getting ready to go, letting Miles finish his cigarette. Uh, we had been at Birds getting the drinks, and then he was finishing his cigarette, and we were going to go inside, and someone who had seen us the previous week at the cage match was like, oh, you guys are, oh, you guys are going? We're like, yeah, we won, we're going there. He was like, oh, of course, yeah. He was like, 
oh, you're really great. And funny. I was like, thanks. And that guy, oh, God bless that kid. And Miles was very nice to him. I was like, oh, you're, oh, you're getting soft in your old age, man. Uh, he's just like, do you ever, uh, it's like, do you take classes? I was like, oh, oh, he's like, oh, no, I, 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 I mostly do more stuff over, over, over at IO. He was like, oh, right. I was like, oh, that's such a nice way. You could have destroyed this kid. Yeah. He was like, he was like, I'm the fucking war chief to Del Close, you fucking moron. He was like, uh -huh. like, none of that. Uh, but it was so, it was so innocent. It's like, oh, obviously the kid didn't know. He was like, I'm taking classes here to, are you taking classes anywhere? First of all, like, he's, that guy is demonstrably older than both of us, man. Like, you're probably a couple years younger than me, but holy shit. Come on. Maybe he was just in, like, a small talk <clears throat> rut. Like, he had just been sat saying that to everyone he came across. Yeah, there you go. Like, just auto taking, autopilot. Are you guys taking classes? You know? Like, yeah, yeah, no, no. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, that's the other thing. Yeah, he was like, no, I do more stuff over at I.O., uh, and then the kid was like, what about you? And Miles was like, oh no, he teaches. <laughs> Coaches and teaches. He like, he like punched me, pushed yeah. me up. I was like, oh, thanks. That's you cool. Trying to give me work, man? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, appreciate that. Um, yeah, so yeah, once I, once I met him and like within the first five minutes of him talking, I was like, oh man, whatever you're selling, I'm buying. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in. And then, you know, flash forward a decade and a half later, one of my best friends on the planet, my mentor. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so what is there something that I should be asking you that I haven't? Like, is there something you're sitting on that's like... Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, I'm just traveling a bunch now. I'm trying to, like... You know, I mean, people can people can Google me and figure out, like... I'm, I'm like, I'm nobody. But I've, I've done some things that I'm proud of. Mm -hmm. You know, directed some movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Dr. God, we've got uh, our comedy collective, Dr. God, which we started off as an improv team, and we still are an improv team. Mm -hmm. uh, we, have a, we have a show the second Saturday of every month. At, uh, at the Pack Theater, which mm -hmm. I co-founded with Miles and, mm -hmm. uh, and a bunch of other, Eric Money, Penny, Sam Brown, Heather Ann Campbell, mm -hmm. uh, and a bunch of other folks working real, real hard. Uh, Alyssa Phillips is doing a great job as the artistic director there. Mm -hmm. uh, she, I was the de facto artistic director because A, I didn't want that title, and B, it was mostly like me booking a lot of the schedule, but so did Money, Penny, and a lot of other people were in it. Mm -hmm. and it felt weird to call myself an AD. Mm -hmm. Also, from being around other theaters, I'm like, oh no, once you call yourself the AD, you get you open up a whole can of fucking problems that you don't want. I'm mm. like, nope, I'm just the, I'm just I'm booking at packtheater.com. I'm just the guy you talk to mm -hmm. when you want to book a show. Mm -hmm. uh, so she took all that uh, off my plate uh, about a year ago, and that was real kind of her. Um, and then yeah, just step back for a while because we we have a we have an animated show. Doctor God has an animated show called Held In on Sci Fi Channel. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, on Saturdays, uh, part of their late night uh, wackadoo animation block, and we're very proud of it. Trying to do some more of that, uh, knock on wood. Uh, but mostly, uh, I've been trying to do something I, I call all improv. Uh, through my travels and my studies and stuff, I've, I feel like we are... I want to say this in a way that doesn't sound like I'm being dismissive or... Uh, or, or, or derogatory in any sense. Mm -hmm. I, I, I have felt a a great stagnation in not only the work, but also in the way that we teach the work. Mm -hmm. Things that um, in the late 90s, as Miles is always great to say, like, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, there was only two places in the world you could learn how to do this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And they were six blocks away from each other in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Now it's everywhere. I mean, literally everywhere. <laughs> Which is great for the access of it, but we have uh, we have plateaued, um, and I think that's upon us, those of us who are not only the Kool Aid drinkers, but who are the sort of the next generation, the next Miles and Khakis and all that. Like I always make the joke, and of course I'm Miles Junior, uh, Nick Armstrong is Khaki Junior, and John Conroy is Shirley Cowan Junior, and then everyone else can figure out their own juniors, mm -hmm. but those are the ones I know for sure, mm -hmm. and those have been uh, those have been vetted by both sides. Like, Shuli goes, oh, John is totally me, right? All that kind of stuff. And I think, like, we have failed to progress how we... We ask the work to evolve. We ask the student to evolve. We ask the language of the work to evolve. But we haven't asked ourselves how to evolve the the, uh, the teaching of the, the subject matter and the information. And being able to see how uh, improv has uh, an access point uh, so I started a, a workshop called All Improv that I feel is uh, specifically to this 
market as uh, the Los Angeles market, as uh, Alex Fernie put it best. He was like, you know, um, L.A. is the only town in the world that has an improv scene where you leave your improv scene to come to it. A lot of people, of course, still go to New York. A lot of people still go to Chicago because Chicago is Mecca and people want to train there and all that. But at the end of the day, you're, you're probably going to be heading towards this direction, towards us. And that's probably because we are an industry town and you want to work in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. uh, I probably wouldn't teach this workshop the exact same way, which is why I have a different thing called the new deconstruction, where I'm just trying to go to all these different places like Kansas City or Denver or, or Cincinnati or Austin or Atlanta or Miami or, or Seattle or Vancouver. Uh, uh, those are all places I've been to or I want to go to. Where I'm gonna be like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna raise the bar. So now this is the height. Because now people are like, oh, just do a herald or do a montage or do something that's an improvised genre or do an Armando style show. And then there's no progress after that. I'm like, they're the decon and the three mad rituals and the Armando Diaz hoot nanny and theatrical experience, and even to itself the herald were was groundbreaking work. And here we are, twenty almost thirty years later, and we haven't progressed any any further we've stagnated and i think we need to kick the door and push and a lot of those uh one of the main reasons i stepped down from my doozy of the pack is that uh, i had a lot of ideas and thoughts about that that were uh, very unpopular with our community i'm gonna be as polite to myself as i can say that uh, -huh. uh they fucking hated it uh and that was incumbent upon me to go like look everyone in the room can't be an asshole everyone in the room can't be wrong it might be wrong but honestly i don't think i am Mm -hmm. I just don't think anybody was ready for it. Mm -hmm. uh, like, for example, I don't... If you're if you're still a house team doing what has been done before or is being doing or doing the same thing that someone else in town is doing currently, uh, you are functionally meaningless. You are setting yourself up for an impossible comparison and a standard that you will never bear because there you can't be the next Cook County Social Club because Cook County Social Club will always be there and they will always do Cook County Social Club shit better than you yes early on just like in music just like in dance just in like in, in in theater and film and television wear your influences on your sleeves for sure sound like oh that's a band that's clearly into that band that's what their influences are but eventually you have to become the, the first you and not the next thing that is and so a lot of all improv especially here in Los Angeles this media market is that you should be using improv to uh Improv is not something that you should do while you wait for your career to happen. Improv is something you should do while you make your career happen. And it is my goal to help as many people as I can with that workshop. Um, and I'm teaching it right now. And I got a couple of students and I hopefully build it and do different things. Uh, but also my goal is to then put uh, improv on television as a progress because that's the other thing is that we, if we don't, people who we love improv here in the entertainment capital of the world, and if we don't strive to put that on television, who is going to be the next generation of people? I want a nine-year-old girl in Oklahoma watching television, seeing a version of the deconstruction going, that's me, that's mom, dad, That I, I have to do that, and be inspired and spend the rest of her life doing that, because otherwise we're going, my, my greatest fear, knock on wood, is that we are, we are going, we the purveyors and lovers of this art form through our own inability to to kill our babies, to um, to throw uh, to throw ropes and grappling hooks at the at uh, perceived gods and heroes and tear them down and, and progress from that, that we are doing ourselves a disservice and turning this thing that we love into a permanent niche art form. I want it to get to the point where we teach it in uh, elementary schools, uh, the same as as on the same level of importance as arithmetic, and penmanship, and reading. That is, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm a hell of a time at parties, guys. I'm super. <laughs> I'm, I'm super cool, dude. Forever. No, that was yeah, great. That was thanks. great. Yeah, that's that's what I, I wanted believe. to let you go. Thank you. That's, You're on a roll. Yeah, that's. Uh, I constantly, nobody thinks about improv more than the old man. Nobody thinks more than Miles. He sits back on his patio and, and, and drinks Bud Light and Rumble Mints and smokes his cigarettes and just thinks about improv. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm probably 1A. Like, I do this all the time. I'm currently working on a book as well. So if you take my all improv uh, workshop, you're going to get a 100-page document 
filled with all not only with all the stuff that we covered, but also with hundreds upon hundreds of links to video examples, uh, reference materials, uh, research uh, resources, research material, all free. Anything that you could get from a public library, anything that's a public domain, anything that's PDF stuff that you can just have. Uh, YouTube links out the fucking yin yang of like here's this version of this here's this version of this and I'm trying to write it in such a way that I don't want the world does not need another improv book again because McNapier's book is the best version of that I can't outdo improvised scene from the inside out I'm not going to write a better version of what is sort of a a series of loose interviews dialogue and conversational tone that is TJ and Dave's book I'm not going to do better than Asaf Ronan's directing improv. There's a reason why these books have become the sort of standard bearers that they are. I want to write one where the only access is that it's accessible to everyone. The access point is should it be, improv should be for everyone. Hence, therefore, all improv. And so I want people to be able to read a book. If you're an improviser or an improv student, you should be able to read this book knowing oh, I know that this is a textbook. I know where the techniques are. I know what he's pointing out there. I want anyone else reading it who's not an improviser who's like, oh, that was fun. I'm glad I did it. Which should be the only entry point into improv ever. That's what we ask for people from TV shows and movies or anything like that. I, so that's, I got inspired from that from, uh, from Will Hines and, and Billy Merritt's book, Pirate Robot Ninja, where they wrote it as a fable. And I was just like, that's it. That's how you do it. We have to write this so it's accessible. It's only afterwards. Like, I would love for someone to read my book and then five years later have them go, oh, wait a minute, what? It was? I mean, I know it said improv in the title, but it was really like, I, I didn't get that from it. I didn't get that it was about learn how to do improv. And I'm like, and then that's how I know I do my, uh, I, I've, I've done my job. So that's what I'm doing. That's really cool, man. Thanks, Mike. It's, uh, <laughs> it's what I, this is what I use my time on because I'm a nerd. Well, you know, I was just thinking like, so we all have ups and downs in our lives, right? And I, there have been times where I've been doing terribly in my life, and then I did an improv show, and I realized, like, oh, wow, for those 13 and a half mm -hmm. minutes, Hell yeah. I wasn't thinking about my problems. Yeah. And one of, like, the really worst times of my life, um, I went to the Miles Stroth workshop show mm -hmm. where you, there was a raffle to do a two-man with Miles. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah, I yeah. won. Hell yeah. So I got to do a 20-minute show with Shit, Miles. Yeah. yeah. And he just rocked you like a baby. Yeah. 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 First few minutes, I was like, oh, God. Yeah. And you then, have to initiate. And then I <laughs> you have to create scenes. Relaxed into it. Because it yeah. felt like pressure. Like, mm -hmm. everyone else is sitting there with their arms crossed, like, this. what's this waste of space doing with Miles? Um, yeah. But then there's a picture of me and Miles together. Oh, that's I have great. a huge smile on my face. And you oh, would yeah. never know from the picture that, like, yeah. everything was a complete It's been a real garbage mess. week. Except this right now. Yeah, he used to do that show in Chicago called Anyone Can Be Funny. Like, you would literally bring up someone that was not an improviser and just make them the star of it. Like, you know, ask them a couple of questions. Like, just get to know them, get them comfortable, and then just run that. <clears throat> Khaki's real good at that, too, where he has his My First Time With Khaki show, that where he does a two-person show with someone he's never improvised with before in his mm -hmm. life. Uh... <clears throat> I just yeah, I just I brought that up like because that. you were talking about how you wish you had discovered improv earlier when yeah. you were in North Carolina or you wanted the kid in Oklahoma to mm -hmm. be able to see it. That's uh, We were so fortunate and so lucky, and that is why I will always be pissed off about it forever. We're going to have beef forever. Fuck her. iOS for life. Um, Wait, who, what, what? Deshaun Halpert. Fuck her. Oh, tell me about that. No, uh, that's too long of a story. Okay. It's doing everything, but that's why... Uh, I just missed what you just said. Is all. Yeah, just the idea of, like, that's why we, we were also fortunate to have not only the iOS community, but, every, but having that bar and having everyone else be able to come from Second City down the street to UCB, to people walking up from Miles Straw, to have that place where we can all come and all that. Especially when I lived in the neighborhood, I was, at, I was there six, seven nights a week. Because even if I didn't have a show, someone might ask me to do a show. Even if I don't have a show, there might be something going on in the loft where I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. I want to go out and do that. Uh, even if I didn't have anything like that, I knew if nothing else, I was going to walk in. There was going to at least be a handful of people that I knew and were going to be happy to see me. And that I meant something. And that me showing up was a good thing. Being able to walk in and have someone like John Crowley go... Oh, uh, BLC, what are you doing in here, buddy? I'm, I'm in here to, you know, 
Yo, uh, uh, Conroy and, uh, and Stacy are doing their two... Oh, that's right, the dick of the day. Where are they? DCT or the loft? They're in the loft. Okay, you want a quick one before that? Yeah, yeah, I got 15 minutes. Yeah, let's do a round. How's it going, buddy? Uh, did you see the Bears game? Like, just that. And then you go and you watch the show and you come out. You stand outside for a minute. You talk and then whoever passes. Like, oh, what are you doing here? Like, oh, I just got here. And then that, uh, how that was never understood and nurtured and then uh, cruelly ripped away. Uh, not only from us who performed there and built up the theater on that, but everywhere else. Like, uh... You know, like where's you know where's Second City gonna go? Bordner's, mm-hmm. right? I know it's an unofficial Second City bar. Yeah, Birds is the you know the new McManus for you know McManus was the bar for UCB originally in New York, and the Birds land. But everyone's just like, yeah, I'm gonna go by, uh, I'm gonna go by. Home. I can't tell you how many people. Yeah. For for years and years would text me and be like, you at Iowa right now? I'm like, yeah. They're like, who's there? I'm like, oh, dude, you want to come up? Not not that there was anybody famous or anything yeah. like that. Just like, oh, uh, it's me. And McMahon and, uh, oh, Seamus McCarthy just walked in. They're like, I'll see you in 10. Like, or I'm on my way. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're, we're about to go home. Should we? Yeah, I'm going to pull in. I'll look through the window. I'll pull into valet. If I look through the windows and see someone, I'll get out. And, and it was just, it was that draw, and I had that thing there. And it's that that's missing now, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. In a town like L.A., too. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to have a place having, like that. Having a place like a that, hug. having a family. And even no matter how bad your day has been, I can't tell you how many people I've been there and be like, oh, you're doing it. It's like, well, I blew a call back today that, you know, was for a national commercial spokesperson. That was a, that was a six-figure job I fucked up today. Can I buy you a half advising? Yeah, you can, man. Thank you very much. And by the end of that night, as they've talked, at that point, an hour and a half, two hours later, now they're telling the story of how they blew their audition and we're all howling. And they're, and they're, they're seeing it through that new prism now that... Again, uh, that's that's another podcast for. Well, congratulations time. on all that stuff that you're thank doing, you, man. I appreciate all it. All improv. Yeah. I thanks want. so much for being a guest thanks, on the thanks, podcast. Thanks for having me, and thanks yeah. for allowing me to just sort of uh, say all this stuff that I think. Uh, but I, now I'm saying it out loud to another human being. Yeah. Instead of um, <laughs> my stuffed animals at home. You get more than 140 <laughs> characters too. For sure. Yeah. I also have to be very uh, careful. <laughs> when I when I say things online about it, stuff like that, uh, just because I'm like I don't want to start a war. Yeah, and also 140 characters is is hard to read like tone. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's hey man. Thanks. Well, brother. if you ever want to uh, talk to another human again, <laughs> yes. come yeah. back. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be for the podcast. I'm just gonna knock randomly on your door and be like, Hey man, perfect. Can I, can I do this? Yeah, just n- the microphone and camera always on, mm. but. That's smart. That's very smart. You never know. It's very entertaining. It's all content. Yeah, you need to have that for your podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I have people like because I have to. I have to go teach now too, so that's why I keep looking. Like, make sure we don't talk forever and ever. Yeah, yeah. Because I'll be. I'll. I'll be here for another two hours. Well, it's very gracious of you. No, oh, thank you very much, man. I appreciate. It. Hey, I'll Mike. be seeing you around. Yeah. yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. We love you. Yeah.